Welcome to Mariner's Church. I'm so glad that you are with us this weekend. My name is Eric. I'm the senior pastor here, if we haven't met. As we kick off this weekend service, I want to congratulate and celebrate all of our recent Rooted graduates. If you're new to Mariner's, you may not know that we have a discipleship course that's 10 weeks long. We call it Rooted. It helps people get together in community and draw near to God, believing that He's going to draw near to us. And in the spring and the summer, we had 1,200 people go through Rooted. And we've heard such incredible stories of life transformation and life change. And so for those of you who have just finished going through Rooted, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing in your life. I mean, for some of you, it was a major courageous step, which is why I'm so proud of you. You joined Mariner's Church just watching online in the middle of the pandemic. And your first time ever to step foot on our campus was to join a rooted group. I mean, what courage that took from you, well done. And so your church is proud of you and we're excited to see what the Lord is gonna to continue to do in your life. For those of you who have not yet gone through rooted, you're gonna hear more about that in coming days and we're gonna start a new fall session and come on, you're invited. We also today are invited into his presence to worship him. Psalm 100 says this, let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His, His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good and His faithful love endures forever his faithfulness through all generations. Let's sing to this great God. God is good, God is faithful. We sing of his love and his grace. Put your hands together and lift your voice. Celebrate the presence of the Lord. the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the Amazing grace. 
worthy. Give him praise. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. done so much so we rest in your power for you've already won the victory so we sing from that revelation mm. the weapon may be formed but it won't prosper when the darkness falls it won't prevail cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph
be shaken. That is a bold declaration to make in the season 
when so many things around us are being shaken. 2020 has been a year where so many things are being shaken. Not only are we dealing with a pandemic and the ramifications of a pandemic, this week, a hurricane, a major hurricane, category four, Laura hit South Louisiana. I grew up in South Louisiana and Texas and bringing devastation there. We have fires in Northern California. I know many of you have asked how you can help. Our church is going to step in to those situations and we always wait to see where we can be most helpful before we do. We have civil unrest and political unrest around us. There's an increasing racial divide. I mean, things feel so shaken around us. So for us to sing a song, Lord, we will not be shaken. It is not because we have confidence in this world to work itself out. It is because our hope and our trust and our confidence is only in the Lord. But before we study God's word together and look at the scripture, can we spend a moment and pray for all of the situations around us and also spend a moment just to enter into his rest, knowing that we're in a time that is so shaken. Lord, we enter your rest and we're reminded that we can sing songs like we won't be shaken only because of who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, our hearts are burdened and broken for all of the pain around us in the world. And we do ask that you would bring peace and comfort. Lord, help us as your people to step in and run to the brokenhearted and to serve those around us. But as we spend time, Lord, looking at your word, I pray you would use it to refresh us today. It's in your name I pray, amen. Well, this weekend we are concluding a series on the seven deadly sins. And I have been so excited to teach this concluding message because it's the message on sloth or on laziness. And the reason I was super excited to teach this message is because I knew as I prepared the other messages that the Lord would deal with me. I mean, I want you to know when I preach a message, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself and to us together. And every time I prepare a sermon, it feels like the Lord is dealing with me and doing a work in me and challenging me and confronting me on things in my life that need to be changed. And so I knew that would happen when I prepared a sermon on anger and on pride and on greed. I mean, I knew that would happen. I mean, these are issues in my life. But I thought, hey, when it comes to sloth, it's gonna be super fun to prepare that message. Cause man, I am not like this guy who's just hanging on a tree. I mean, we have an animal named the sloth and I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy who just kind of meanders through life and waits for life to come his way. I'm, I'm the wake up early, carpe diem, seize the day, let's go. I'm not this guy. In fact, one of the most painful moments in movie history to me is in Zootopia. I took my kids to it and there's this scene, I'll show it to you right now, where they walk into the DMV. Take a look at this. Actually, I just remembered I have a pal at the DMV. Flash is the fastest guy in there. You need something done, he's on it. I hope so. We are really fighting the clock and every minute counts. Wait, they're all sloths? Oh, they're sloths. Oh, it's starting to get painful. I'm in the theater and I'm wanting the movie to go. It, look how painful this is. This scene, and it just keeps going. 
<laughs> I thought this scene was was too. I actually I can't even watch it anymore. Go ahead and kill. Let's kill, kill the kill the video. Kill the video. I, I I can't even watch the whole scene. I mean, I grew up thinking this is not how you are to live. My father is a New Yorker, and his view. Uh, as he was raising me was, if you can get out of bed, you can go to school or you can go to work. My mom, the daughter of a farmer in Illinois, my grandparents owned a very large farm and it, it, they grew that farm. They sold uh, corn and soybean and pigs and it became one of the largest farms in Illinois. Uh, and, and their mindset was you work from sun up to sundown. And so boom, teaching a message on sloth, oh, I'm gonna have some fun because this is, this is not one that I struggle with. I mean, in my uh, type A-ness, I like verses like this. Proverbs chapter six, verse six through 11, speaks against laziness. Go to the ant, you slacker. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Bible is like calling out slackers. Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest and your poverty will come like a, ro a robber, your need like a bandit. I was so excited to prepare this message on sloth until I started preparing the message on sloth. And then the Lord got a hold of me and confronted me that oh, I actually wrestle, I do wrestle with sloth. Here's what I did. I read some of the early church fathers and what they wrote about spiritual laziness and spiritual sloth. And here's what they concluded. That sloth is, is possible to be very busy, to have a lot of activity, to be someone who wakes up early and puts on coffee and attacks the day and still be filled with sloth because you're focused on the wrong things. That it's possible to be someone who is very driven and very active and still struggle with sloth because sloth is neglecting your first love. And for the Christian, our first love is Christ. That we can be very busy on the outside, but on the inside, our hearts become filled with sloth because we stop pursuing Christ the same way that we pursue other things around us. I mean, you know this if you have led a team of people, maybe you lead a company or an organization or, or you lead a group at your company and you've seen this, it is possible for people to be very active and chaotic and go in a whole bunch of frantic directions, but not focus on the most important things. I mean, it is possible in our own lives to be very busy, but not productive. To be very active, but have our hearts apathetic towards what is most important. And that is what the early church fathers described as sloth and as laziness. It's the reason it made the list of the seven deadly sins, that we can live a life that appears to be really fruitful, that appears to be focused on things and getting things done and cranking out work. But on the inside, we rot because our hearts have become apathetic to the relationship that matters the most to us, which for those of us who are Christians, we say all the time, the most important relationship for us is our relationship with Christ. 
And because the Christian faith is a relationship, let me illustrate sloth by a human relationship. Imagine for a moment a couple named Randy and Beth. Randy and Beth, um, they love each other. They're in this committed relationship with one another and they are affirmed all the time for how committed they are to their jobs. They are both very successful. They're very effective and efficient in their work. So Randy and Beth, they wake up every morning, they put on a cup of coffee and they start cranking out work. They go to the office or they go to the home office and they get on today, Zoom calls, and they are getting work done. People also say of Randy and Beth, wow, how can you pull off all of the things that you pull off. I mean, you juggle so many things. You're not only effective at work, but you volunteer in organizations. You're involved in this civic organization. You're involved in this book club. You care for your health. I mean, how are you able, Randy and Beth, to pull off so many things? But at night, like all relationships, sometimes Randy and Beth disagree. Sometimes they fight. And sometimes when they fight, they're exhausted because they've spent all of their energy on so many other things. And so when they fight at times, sometimes it's easier to just go to opposite sides of the house instead of working through the problem. And so sometimes when they fight, Randy will go to one side of the house and watch random videos on TikTok and Beth will go to the other side of the house and answer work email or watch a, mo watch a movie on Lifetime. And that's not what they would do at work. At work, if there was tension with somebody on the teams that they led, they would put it on the table and resolve it. But at home, in the relationship that they say is more important, they've actually grown lazy at resolving conflict at addressing issues. In the relationship that they say is more important, they've actually grown lazy and slothful. I've been Randy. I have been this way. Not only in my relationship with my wife, I have been this way in my relationship with the Lord. So the more I prepared this message on sloth, the more I realized that this message is for me that I've become so many times in my life very looking productive on the outside, but my heart can become apathetic to the Lord. And the reason that this is a sin that we must, we must slay, the reason this is an enemy that we must defeat is because sloth can cause us to, to miss out on the joy of knowing Jesus and of walking closely with him. That sloth can steal the life, the abundant life that Christ has for us. The writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter five, verse 11. We've got a great deal to say about this. And it's difficult to explain because you've become too lazy to understand. The writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, I've got some weighty things to tell you in the scripture. I've got some weighty things to share with you, but it, it's hard because you're too lazy to understand. You want the cookies on the bottom shelf. I mean, you're not willing to do the hard work to understand the text, to throw yourself into following after Jesus. You've become too lazy to understand. And so many times this has been true of me. Thomas Aquinas, early church father, wrote a lot about sloth. He said that sloth, spiritual laziness, is a failure to pursue your first love. 
to go after your first love. And if you're a Christian, that is ultimately Christ. The good news for me and for you is that despite the times that I've grown slothful in my relationship with Jesus, that Jesus is so patient with me and patient with you and gracious towards me and gracious towards you. He is not like our employer. I mean, let's be honest. If we treated our employer the way we treated Christ, we, we wouldn't have a job. If we treated the, the sports team we are on the way we treat Christ, we, the coach would kick us off the team. I mean, Christ is so gracious to us and patient to us and he keeps inviting us to value him most, knowing that life will be sweetest, life will be best, life will be full when we aren't spiritually apathetic towards him, when our hearts are fired up for him. And so to help us understand how to overcome the enemy of sloth, I want us to look at a passage in Philippians 2 because you're gonna see in this passage, and it's a beautiful text, and, and let's not be lazy to understand this passage. You're gonna see in Philippians 2, this really holy rhythm between resting and growing. Because you have to understand this is a rhythm in scripture that, that we are to rest, not only physically, but spiritually we rest because Christ has done the work for us. But because we now rest, we should grow and work to become more like him. So we don't strive for God to love us. God has loved us. But because we've received his love, we now strive to become more like him. So we don't strive to earn our way to him. We just receive his forgiveness. But because we're his, we now strive to become more like him. And you're gonna see that holy rhythm of rest and grow, rest and grow in Philippians 2. And this is how you can overcome spiritual sloth, which I'm convinced after studying the passage and looking at the seventh deadly sin, which I thought this is one that I don't have to deal with. I'm convinced I do. That this is how we can overcome the enemy of sloth that steals our joy. So Philippians chapter two, look at verse five. We'll, we'll read through verse 13. It's a beautiful passage Press in, look at the scripture with me. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had become, and when, it, when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Therefore, verse 12, so the verses we read, here's what Jesus did for you. This is what he did for you. Therefore, because he did this for you, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God 
who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. There's two thoughts that I want us to see in this text, and it's about resting and growing. It's this holy rhythm. One, we are to rest, which means to stop working for your salvation. And second, we are to grow, which is to be working out our salvation. So we don't work for our salvation. This passage is teaching us we don't work for our salvation. Christ accomplished that for us, but we are to work out our salvation, meaning Christ in us is supposed to dominate every single part of our life. We aren't to get spiritually lazy and lethargic. We are to actually work out this faith that we have received, this forgiveness that we enjoy. So first, number one, let's talk about what it means to rest and stop working for your salvation. Because this is actually how you slay the enemy of sloth. With rest? Yes, with rest. You actually kill the enemy of sloth, of being really, really busy for things that don't matter, of chasing after things and being frantic and chaotic for things that aren't important, for the less important things in life, the way you slay the enemy of sloth is to rest and receive that which is most important, which is Christ. And so in the passage we read, which was such a beautiful explanation of what Christ did for us, right? That this king humbled himself, that our king became our servant, that he emptied himself of his divine privilege and he took on the form of a man and he came here to serve us, that he traded a crown of royalty for a crown of thorns, that he exchanged being worshiped with angels surrounding the throne in heaven. He exchanged that for being mocked and spit on and brutalized. He did all of that for us. He traded being highly exalted to being humiliated to the point of death, even death on a cross is what the apostle Paul wrote. He did all of that for us. That is what Jesus did for us so that we don't have to work our way to him. He came here all the way here for you to give you salvation, to give you forgiveness, to give you his mercy and his grace. Jesus came here to do all of the work for you on the cross. So we don't work for our salvation, we don't attempt to achieve our salvation, we simply receive, we rest. And by resting in what Christ has done for us, our hearts are now focused on that which is most important. Here, here's an illustration of that, of working and resting. And if you rest in Christ, you can actually enjoy the rest of life. The illustration comes from the 1924 Olympics, and it, a movie was made of this famous uh, Olympics. It's called Chariots of Fire. My parents would watch it with me when I was a little kid. And the movie's a true story. It features two runners, Eric Liddell, who ran for Scotland, and Harold Abrams, who ran for Great Britain. Eric Liddell was a missionary. He was a preacher. And some people said, you should not run. You should just preach. Don't, don't be a runner. And Eric Liddell famously said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And I enjoy running for the glory of God. So he ran. He decided that he was going to run. 
And even though he was a missionary, he was gonna spend time being a runner. Harold Abrams lived with this pressure of representing his country. He um, ran and trained and he, he cared so much for representing Great Britain. In the film, Chariots of Fire, there is this juxtaposition, this, um, this moment where you, you see that they both are running, but they're running for different reasons. They both are panting as they race, but they are panting for different reasons. The juxtaposition is, is this. Harold Abrams says one time as he's uh, preparing for a race, in one hour's time, I will run down that four foot corridor, 10 lonely seconds to justify my existence. That's a weighty statement. I've got a race to run and I've got 10 seconds to justify my whole reason for being on the earth. I mean, what pressure to put on himself? You know, some of you live with that pressure too, though, don't you? I've got this job to justify my existence. I, I have this parenting to justify my existence or this relationship to justify my existence. Eric Liddell, on the other hand, he said something very different. He said, I feel God's pleasure when I run. 10 lonely seconds to justify my existence. I feel God's pleasure when I run. That's the difference between resting in what Christ has done and feeling like you need to earn your standing before God and others. Tim Keller insightfully wrote this about that scene in the movie. He said, Harold Abrams was weary even when he rested. And Eric Liddell was rested even when he was exerting himself. Why? Because there's a work underneath our work that we really need rest from. It's the work of self-justification. The work of you feeling like you have to earn your standing before God. See, you don't have to earn your standing before God and you can't earn your standing before God. Christ came here to do that for you. And he placed himself on the cross in your place for your sin and you can rest. And when you rest, you don't enjoy life less, you actually enjoy life more because you aren't looking at life to justify you because Christ already has justified you. You're not looking at those things to satisfy you because Christ has already satisfied you. Therefore, you can slay the enemy of sloth because you're not chasing a whole bunch of things that don't, that don't make you happy in the end. Instead, you're resting in who Christ is and what Christ has done for you. So, so which one is you? Which one is you? When you go to work this week, will it be, I've got to justify my existence or will you say, I feel his pleasure when I lead? When you are a mom or dad this week, will you say, I've got to justify my existence by how I raise my kids? Or will you say, I feel his pleasure when I parent? When you work in your yard or on a piece of art or some hobby you have, will that hobby justify your existence? Or will you be able to say, I feel God's pleasure. I feel God's pleasure when I do these things. So number one, we see in this passage to stop working for, your salvation, but two, 
And here's the paradox. Because we stop working for our salvation, number two, we grow and we work out our salvation. So number two, grow, be working out your salvation. Work out what Christ has already accomplished and done in you. Thomas Aquinas, the early church father who wrote a lot about laziness, he said this, and and many scholars have unpacked this one statement because it's so weighty. He said, sloth is aversion to the divine good in us. What does that mean? I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful quote. I mean, it looks good on Instagram, you know, but what does it mean? Sloth is aversion to the divine good in us. Here's what Aquinas was saying. If you're a Christian, when you became a Christian, the divine moved into your life. Christ moved into your life. And so laziness, spiritual sloth, is being a version, being against the divine working out his gracious work in your life. It's actually pursuing something else other than God's greater work in your life. And so how do we, how do we not be lazy? Well, we see this in verse 12 and 13. The apostle Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Work out, not work for, You don't work for your salvation. Your salvation's already been given. You've already received your salvation, but you work out your salvation. Now that phrase, work out your salvation. I've got a mental hurdle I have to get over when I I read work out your salvation because in high school, working out was not what I enjoyed doing at all. Of all my friends, I was... um, I was one of the, the most scrawny. I mean, they, they, their muscles were developing more than mine was. And I would go to the gym with them and they could all bench press more than I could. They could all curl more than I could. And, and so, you know, I, I have bad memories of, of the, the buff guys in the gym who'd be like, bro, do you even lift, bro? Like, bro, do you even lift? I mean, I, I tried, you know, drinking protein drinks and all that. And, and my muscles just weren't developing at the same speed that they were developing. And they'd be on the side, you know, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> I'm making crazy sounds and I'd try to make those same sounds and my muscles would not really develop at the same speed theirs were. They, they actually did sound that way. Um, and so when I read this phrase, work out your salvation, I'm like, ah, oh, man, working out, I mean, does this, do I really want to work out my own salvation? I realize I don't work for it, that I've already received his forgiveness, but working out? But this is way better. This is way better. And this is so different than the bad memory of the gym. This is so different because I'm not working on my physique, which that, that's good if you do that, but it's so temporary. And we'll see that in another passage. But as we work out, our salvation is so much more beautiful because we are seeing the divine work in us and we enjoy life walking with him, enjoying the fruit of his spirit as God works his will and his sanctifying presence in our lives, we become more like him. This is not about our physique, this is about our character. And so we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, the verse says. Why fear and trembling? Because as we step closer to him, 
we are more in awe of who he is. And with fear and awe and respect, we're like, yes, this is amazing, God, that you have loved me so much, that you have moved into my life and I want to become more like you. I don't wanna be averse to your work in my life. I don't wanna chase after things that are less than you. And so with fear and trembling, Lord Jesus, I want you to have all of me. I want you to grow in me and I wanna become more like you. That's what it means with fear and trembling. And so then it's God who works in us. So you notice in this passage that the command for you to work out your salvation, it's actually sandwiched between what God is doing. So the first six verses we read, it's Jesus came here, placed himself on the cross for you. Then you work out your salvation. And then you see verse 13, it's God who does the work. So even as you seek after him and you pursue him, God's the one who's ultimately working in you. Isn't this the most important thing for us? That we would become more and more like Jesus. And this is the convicting part of the message because sometimes in my life, I put energy towards things that are less important. But the most important thing is that I would become more and more like Jesus. That's the most important thing. A couple of months ago, this is actually the week before quarantine started, there was a wedding that I was a part of. It was the wedding between Roscoe, my dog, and Maggie. And so um, th this is how it happened. Uh, Roscoe uh, is my dog and Maggie is Ed and Aaron's dog. They're in our life group and Roscoe and Maggie met because their parents are in the same life group and they fell in puppy love and they um, wanted to be together. And so one time on Instagram, I, I made a joke and I had a picture of them and I said, how many of you would be interested in some Roscoe Maggie offspring? And my goodness, the amount of money that you are willing to pay for Roscoe Maggie offspring. I mean, I decided maybe we should make some Maggie Roscoe offspring, but we thought they should probably get married first, right? I mean, we want, we want this, it would, just, it would be better if they got married first. So we decided we would have this wedding and all the kids in the life group got together and they, they decided how it's gonna be. They put together an invitation. This invitation was sent out. The wedding was in a park. Um, uh, here's uh, a picture of the bride and the groom at the wedding. And so I'm standing there in a suit. I mean, I never wear a suit. I'm in a suit. Kay and my daughters made me wear a suit. I'm in a suit at a wedding of two dogs and I'm sitting there and everybody's laughing and it's so much fun. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is a lot of work. There's a lot of work that went into this dog wedding. I mean, there's refreshments and there's ring bearers and everyone's dressed up and it was fun. And it was a lot of work and it was fun. And it was a lot of work. Why was it both? Because I love my kids and I'll do something like that for them. But spiritual growth is also a lot of fun because we become more like Jesus. And it's a lot of work because we must spend time pursuing him, throwing ourselves into the scripture, throwing ourselves into community. Becoming more like Jesus is a lifelong process and it takes working out our salvation. But more important than a dog wedding is becoming more like Jesus. 
I love my dog. I'm glad my kids love my dog, but my dog has not placed himself on a cross for my sin. My dog is not the one who has given me my identity and my forgiveness and is not the one who has satisfied the deepest longing of my soul. If I am willing to put on a several hour dog wedding, how much more so should I be? desiring and willing to throw myself fully into following Jesus and becoming more like him, to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling, to grow because I've rested in Christ, to grow because I wanna become more like Christ. In fact, the apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse seven and eight, train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit. So the uh, uh, guy at the gym, hey, there's some benefit to that. It, it, there is benefit to caring for yourself physically, but it's limited. But godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. Becoming more like Jesus, it holds great benefit for you here today because you display the fruit of Christ in you, the fruit of the divine in you. It has benefit today and it has benefit forever to become more and more like Jesus. Are you becoming more like Jesus? Or have you grown apathetic to who he is and what he's done in your life? Are you averse to the working of the divine in your life? Are you growing? Are you training yourself to be more like Christ? Are you becoming more like him and working out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Our church wants to help you grow. You know, our church for years has had what we have called the transformational loop. And the reason I want you to understand this is because we're not a church that believes all we want you to do is come to a weekend service or watch a weekend service online. We wanna help you grow throughout your life. And so at Mariners, we've called this the transformational loop, which is, is, is several things we ask you to do. We invite you to do to follow Jesus, to, to go after him and pursue him, to grow together, to be in community with others and, and grow by studying the scripture together, to serve one another, to find your spiritual gift and to serve others and make a difference in other people's lives, and then to change the world. Because Christ has served us, we then want to serve others who are outside of us. And that's what we want your life to look like. That's what we want my life to look like, that we would be a community of Christ followers that follows Jesus, grows together, serves one another and change the world. That we just wouldn't be folks who watch a service, but that we would be together in community pursuing him. And so I just wanna get real practical as we, as we wrap up before we're gonna sing and you're even gonna, gonna see um, some incredible stories of what God's doing in people's lives as they've been growing together and in, in rooted. But I wanna get real practical and invite you to be a part of your own spiritual growth, to take some steps. I want everybody to grab your phone. And I want, um, I want you to either text the number on the screen or go to the Mariners app. And I'm gonna go to the Mariners app. And what you're gonna do when you text the number on the screen or go to the Mariners app is you're gonna get to our connect card, which we've designed specifically for you this week to help you take some steps that 
would be a part of helping you grow to become more like Jesus. So if you go to the app, I'm at the, the app right now, and you say, you just click on connect at the very bottom, and then um, you, you click fill out a connect card. Or if you text the number on the screen, we will send the connect card to you. So go ahead, if you're at one of our neighborhood locations or Mariner's hosted at home, or you're watching online right now, just take a time, get the app, hit connect, connect card or text number on the screen. So you're at connect card, everybody at connect card? Not or something, let me know you're there. All right, now you're at connect card, you'd fill out your information and I'm gonna invite you to do several things. You'll see this section that says response from the weekend message. Rooted is a 10 week journey where we will get you with a group of people to grow together. And that group might become your life group after Rooted is over. But even if that doesn't happen, during the 10 weeks, you're gonna study the scripture together. You're gonna have experiences where you hear from the Lord. We're gonna walk together in community. And if you have been in our church, but you haven't gone through Rooted, I ask you, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to go through Rooted. If you've been through Rooted, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna be announcing this fall that we're gonna have three different new deep dives, which are gonna be some deeper dive studies that we're offering. So you, you be paying attention for those. But if you haven't gone through Rooted, check Rooted. You'll notice another box there, volunteer at Mariners. And if you wanna be a part of volunteering, we would love for you to find your place here. And if you will just check that, we'll send you different places that you can volunteer at our church. You will grow more as you serve others you will experience the joy of God working through you as you serve others. Then you'll see serve with outreach, it's bolded. I'm so proud of you Mariners. We have hundreds of you that have stepped up during this COVID time that are sorting food and, and clothes and you're, you're distributing food to, to people who are in need or you're volunteering with our Lighthouse Community Centers and we are serving our communities. We have many of you who are signed up to serve with Mariners in the Gap as we're stepping in to help families who um, are having challenging times during Zoom learning. And so we are wanting to serve our community and you can be a part by checking Serve with Outreach. And when it comes to follow Jesus, we use our weekend worship services for that. And I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. In two weeks, we're gonna start having um, outdoor worship services at Mariners Irvine, uh, our Huntington Beach location. We're gonna have outdoor worship services there. We have neighborhood gatherings that are taking place already that are happening right now. I know some of you that are in the neighborhood gatherings, you're perhaps thinking, ah, I'll jump back to Irvine or I'll jump back to HB. And I wanna encourage you to stay. I mean, if you live right where you're worshiping, what an amazing thing to be able to have church there for people in your community. But I wanna invite you to not just watch the service. I want you to take a next step. And that's what the connection card will help you do. To work out your very own salvation with fear and trembling, to become more like Jesus because of everything that Jesus has done for you. We're gonna sing a song and as we do, if you haven't already started to fill out the connect card, please do. We would love to help you take some next steps. Jesus, thank you for what you have done for us. Help us to not be apathetic toward you, 
for the divine who has moved into our lives. Rescue us from spiritual sloth so that we can enjoy life becoming more and more like you. It's in your name I pray, amen.
I love those stories. Seeing the stories of what God is doing in our church is so encouraging. Next weekend, Doug Fields is going to be teaching. I'm excited about that. And then two weeks, we are launching outdoor gatherings at Mariners on the lawn. We're taking over the upper lawn, the lower lawn, the upper parking lot, five weekend services. This is a great time for you to invite friends. Maybe you've been watching Mariners online. You haven't been here physically we invite you to come. As we conclude our service, I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Will you extend your hands? Father, I pray for your sons and daughters, and I ask you that you would bless them this week, cause your face to shine on them. I pray they would experience your presence and be reminded over and over again of how much you love them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless, have a great week.